think about all the choices we've had to make this year. Is shopping for groceries okay? What about an outdoor dinner with a friend? Or a short metro ride to work? Each one feels like it could be the difference between getting sick and staying healthy. But in the past year, there have been bigger choices too. Things like whether or not to travel. The public health guidance has been pretty clear. It is not a good idea to travel, period. I mean, if you absolutely have to travel and it's essential, then obviously one would have to do that. But that wasn't the only messaging potential travelers were hearing. Particularly for air travel, there were other voices in the mix. How safe is an airplane compared to going out to eat at a restaurant? Independent studies suggest airline air is very safe. The risk of transmission is virtually non-existent? Virtually non-existent. And again, this is, this, this is, a, this is a U.S. military study. Some people eventually felt safe traveling, and there was a spike in travel around the holidays. Now that vaccine access is increasing, travel is going up too. Leading up to the Easter holiday, travel spiking more than 1,300%. But if you decided it was safe enough for you to fly this past year, did you stop and think about all the people that made it possible? The workers. Did you think about their safety? Conversations about the safety of air travel have largely left workers out. Open middle seats ignore risks for workers on the ground, and sick leave policies may leave workers deciding between a paycheck and their own safety. The choice of whether or not to fly during COVID isn't a small one. It's a question of community safety and of how the pandemic affects people with the least protection. If you choose to fly, your choice affects hundreds of thousands of people who may be less safe in their jobs than you will be as a passenger. We spoke to airport workers and union representatives all over the country. In interviews and written complaints, we heard from people who don't feel safe, who worry about the germs they're taking home to family members, and who even feel their well-being is taking second place to the reopening of the economy. She's, uh, of course, in panic mode and, and praying and all that other stuff that she does. Mind you, it may cost the person that's to your left or your right their life. Whatever job they're doing, someone has, has uh, you know, paid the ultimate price. I'm Kelly Livingston. I'm Allison Mollenkamp. And I'm Callan tansel Suddeth. From the Howard Center for Investigative Journalism, this is In the Air a show about the pandemic risks workers on the ground take to get planes off it. You've been to the airport before. After getting out of the car, you might check a bag at the curb. The person who helps you out with this is called a skycap. They're the skycaps who are probably a little lower risk because they're outside. This is Andrew Grosskaitan. He's a regional vice president for SEIU in California. His union works with a lot of airport employees, so he knows the different airport jobs and the risks that come along with them. Like he said, skycaps are outside, but they do interact with the public. When they take your bag, they can't stay six feet away the whole time. That's a risk for a lot of public-facing airport employees. Dangerous one in terms of exposure is the wheelchair attendants, who just nature of the job, you cannot be six feet apart and push a wheelchair. Wheelchair attendants are just some of the airport employees who have to spend extended periods of time in close contact with one person. If that person happens to have COVID, it's a risk for the worker. Others work around large groups of people. There are people who do crowd control. So those are the people who check your ticket or tell you which line to go into, and they're, you know, in the midst of, you know, a sea of people continuously. Some airport jobs make social distancing difficult or even impossible, but workers face other risks too. Here's Allison. After you check your bag and print a boarding pass, if you don't have one on your phone, 
it's time to find security. But airports can be a maze, so you might need directions. You can ask the person guarding an escalator to the second floor. Okay, my name is Teresa McClatchy. McClatchy is an escalator guard at Bush Airport in Houston. She's public-facing there, and that means she deals with one of the pandemic's big challenges, people who don't want to wear a mask. No, I don't feel that I'm because we have people coming in from all over the place, and they don't want to, like I said, they don't want to put their mask on. McClatchy says people often have questions for her and get into her personal space. She's seen people get upset about COVID rules, and she suspects it might come from differences between restrictions at the airport and the rest of Texas. Governor Abnett opened up at 100 percent, but here at the airport, that's entirely different. And we still don't get that respect that we, that we the workers, are deserving that. McClatchy doesn't feel safe at work. The official way to address that is to file a complaint with OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. McClatchy hasn't filed an OSHA complaint, but she has taken her concerns to authorities closer to home. She's told her employer directly about the mask issue. She's also gone to airline employees who work nearby. Sometimes the response is supportive, and the airport does have some COVID precautions in place, including a PA announcement to remind passengers about masks, like this one from DC. Face coverings are required at all times within the airport. Please also wash your hands. Temperature checks are also available for employees. For a variety of reasons, those temperature checks aren't enough to stop the spread of COVID-19. Some people don't get a fever when they're infected with COVID, and even if they eventually develop one, they can be contagious and asymptomatic before it starts. All that means McClatchy has known a whole lot of coworkers who had COVID. I've got one lady, she's been out since... January, because she had COVID, she thought, you know, she was just short-winded, but come to find out the COVID had gotten into her lungs, so she's been on oxygen since, no, since January, and she hasn't come back yet. Yeah, she has to stay on an oxygen, but if I didn't know her, I would not have known. I mean, and then that's with a lot of us. If we don't know or have someone connected to that person who knows that they have it, we would not have known because they don't provide that information. The fear that comes from not knowing which coworkers might be sick is coupled with a lack of safety net. McClatchy doesn't have sick leave. She accrues paid time off, but many of her coworkers were furloughed and came back to zero days of PTO. The policies that could keep employees safe from COVID vary from company to company, but some of the airport's most visible workers work for the federal government itself. When you approach the start of the security process, you'll show a TSA agent your ID and boarding pass. But things will look a little different. The agent will be sitting behind a shield of plexiglass wearing a mask and gloves. To confirm your identity, they will ask you to pull down your mask. It may not be something frequent travelers consider, but the process of going through airport security is pretty up close and personal. Even if you don't get frisked or patted down, an agent who is definitely closer than six feet to you may inspect you with a security wand. This, naturally, has associated risks. The TSA has been vocal about its efforts to keep staff and passengers safe during COVID-19. There's a lengthy section on the agency's website devoted to the topic. In June 2020, TSA launched a safety initiative called Stay Healthy, Stay Secure, which includes steps like social distancing and required PPE, as well as frequent disinfection and touch-free screening technology. Employees infected with COVID-19 can take paid administrative leave or, quote, excused absences rather than personal time off. But the efforts haven't been foolproof. To date, the agency has seen 7,930 federal employees test positive for COVID-19 and 16 related deaths. One contractor also died as a result of the virus. 
Once you're past security and into the main area of the airport, you might grab a bite to eat. Restaurants are some of the only vendors open at the airport. When we visited Reagan National in D.C. this spring, one of the open restaurants was Qdoba. Oh, my name is Kajal Hassan. Um, I'm the um, GM here. Our conversation with Hassan is a bit overshadowed by kitchen noise, but he told us the restaurant was shut down from March to June of 2020. He says he laid off 65% of his employees, and those that remain are working limited hours. He feels safe at work, and the company that owns the Kidoba franchise provides PPE. He says he hasn't dealt with mask issues. The restaurant did have to close again for 14 days last year due to an exposure. Thank you so much. This is a big Thank you so much for your time. You have a good day. Now it's time to go to the gate and wait for boarding. And while you wait, think beyond our journey through the airport. About 170 federal OSHA complaints related to COVID-19 have been made against air travel companies. Our colleagues from the Howard Center are going to read some of the complaints for us. Flight crew employees exposed on March 4, 2020 to a COVID-19 infected passenger without preventative controls in place or being informed by the employer about the passenger's diagnosis. That complaint was made against Delta Airlines in Newark, New Jersey, another for American Airlines out of San Francisco. An employee tested positive for COVID-19, but the employer did not trace and notify other employees that the infected person came into contact with. A United Airlines complaint from Boston stated the employer hadn't developed a plan for when workers come in sick. Yesterday, there were several employees, baggage handlers, and customer service agents with flu symptoms that were not sent home, exposing employees to illnesses. Another United complaint out of Denver said the airline was not implementing precautions like social distancing or limiting the number of people on aircrafts. The complaint also said employees who were sick were still required to come to work. Another was logged against TSA in Charlotte, North Carolina. Employees are being forced back to work days after testing positive for COVID-19, thereby exposing hundreds of employees and even more passengers. A separate set of claims out of Oregon provides a look at another part of this equation. COVID-related worker compensation in the air travel industry. Three COVID-19 worker compensation claims were filed by flight attendants working for major air travel companies, Alaska and Delta Airlines. All three were denied. Two of those denied compensation claims were categorized as disabling. The air travel industry is not the only one struggling with worker safety issues during the pandemic, though. Recent Howard Center reporting has highlighted pandemic-related safety issues for retail, seafood, and migrant workers. But back at the airport, it's time to board. Most COVID safety measures used in air travel are familiar ones. Using personal protective equipment, washing hands, increased cleaning. Others are industry-specific. Vice President of Communications for Flight Safety Foundation Frank Jackman explained one of those measures was this rule alteration for flight attendants from the Federal Aviation Administration. The FAA um, came out with an exemption that said, you know, if there's room in the cabin you can move out of that seat that you're usually assigned to into another close-by seat to increase the social distancing in the cabin. As Jackman put it, his organization works with stakeholders in the air travel industry to advance the cause of aviation safety. That exemption he spoke of runs counter to typical rules, which usually assign flight attendants to specific seats in an aircraft for the best visibility in the cabin. Jackman says the goal in air travel right now is to restore passenger confidence in flight safety, Meanwhile, companies want employees to feel protected while on the job. After the flight, don't forget about the other employees you may meet. If your bag is lost or you have other questions on your way out, you might run into Jimmy Martin, a customer service assistant at Reagan National. He's been on the job a little over a year and a half. 
It's changed drastically. Um, the flights have went down. Everybody's been on this like safety. Everybody, everything is just safety. Everybody wiping everything down, using hand sanitizer. Everybody taking precautions. You know, every, nothing's the same. You know, everybody used to come to the airport and just be free, but now everybody's taking precaution and taking a step back from everything and being more on the safe side with everything. Like McClatchy, Martin has known people who caught COVID-19. He feels confident that even when it happens, his employer is working to keep staff safe. Family members, um, colleagues, but they also made sure that everybody stayed safe and stayed away from everybody and quarantined for the 14 days and made sure that they was doing the precautions to make sure they was healthy before they came back home. Martin's employer continually updates quarantine policies to match CDC guidelines. So that's it. As a passenger, you can be on your way. But after the break, we'll go behind the scenes of the airport and hear about some of the airport workers most at risk during the pandemic. Those passengers never see. It takes a lot more people to keep an airport running than just those who interact with the public. Many behind-the-scenes workers are employed by companies that contract with the airport. They're often the most at risk, partly because they don't have public visibility. Since we just saw a baggage claim, we'll start by stepping behind the scenes there. All right, my name is Darnell Clark, first off. I am a baggage handler there at the airport, Philadelphia International. Clark was on furlough for months, but is back to work, making sure bags make it onto the right planes and to their destinations. His team is down to about 20 people from a pre-pandemic count of 50. He says he doesn't feel safe from COVID on the job. Once the whole situation became botched in the beginning and it became politicized, the, the social distancing that's supposed to be put in place, there's no way that they could be there. And, you know, just the masking. We're in an entity where there are multiple entities that come through and you have some with masks and some is like not masked and it's, it's very political instead of being scientific. And, and, and we really caring about the next person that's on our left or our right. Clark says he works with people who are at a high risk for severe COVID infection. And the overlapping of companies within the airport increases risk because of differing policies and cultures around safety. His team also struggles to socially distance, especially as passenger numbers tick back up. 15 workers, 1.5 million passengers. Each one of these passengers have a bag. Per se, let's be nice and say they have one bag let alone if they come with an entire family that decides to move across the country, you know? And then it's the, they're, they're, they're sending us the luggage, so this is an impossible task for one person to, to, to you know what I mean? So it, it, it's definitely man on man on man to get these particular goals met and this particular job done. Mind you, it may cost the person that's to your left or your right their life. We're really not on that focus point because we're dealing with the opening of this great economy. Clark and his co-workers face a similar leave situation as McClatchy. In Clark's words, either you work or you don't eat. And he's also experienced a situation where a co-worker tested positive for the virus. It actually gets to the point where they may even report it, but it's not being translated until two, three days later to the rest of the workers. And I believe this is all to keep the company up and running. I don't believe it. I know it's just to keep the company up and running. There are policies in place to protect frontline and essential workers, but they aren't always being written with a frontline perspective. Here's Jane Martin. 
airport director for SEIU United Service Workers West. Uh, you know, they were required to create COVID safety plans. I think the companies were. I think, you know, in our experience, a lot of times those plans are very well-intentioned documents written by someone in another state who's working at home and has very little to do with what's actually happening at the work site. Martin gives cabin cleaners as an example. Airlines have advertised their filtration and cleaning policies, but Martin says filters aren't always left on when cleaners come to do their jobs. Safety plans say that cleaners should ride to the plane with windows open. You know, certainly the company plan says that they're doing all those things. But if you were at the airport, you would know that some of the vans have windows that are broken and don't open. Um, It's that kind of thing. It's the kind of thing where (laughs) you need someone on the ground who's actually interfacing with the reality of the work environment who can look at it. And being out of sight of the public can put workers at more risk. Martin's colleague Gaetan says food service workers inside the airport have behind-the-scenes counterparts who prepare the food served on the planes themselves. The, the working conditions uh, sort of somewhat analogous to like the meatpacking plants. They're you know, large kitchens for mass production of food, and they're hidden from the public, so they tend to be pretty terrible on, on health and safety. There is a cost for airport workers in taking all of these risks, in not being able to socially distance, in facing customers reluctant to wear a mask. Martin says at least nine SEIU USWW members working in airports in California have died of COVID, and many more have gotten sick. I mean, across the board, if you look nationally, TSA agents have been at very high risk. Uh, But, you know, yeah, also baggage handlers. I mean, you name it, whatever job they're doing, someone has, has, uh, you know, paid the ultimate price. We asked workers what they would do to make their workplaces safer. If there were a magic wand that could do anything but end COVID, how would they keep their coworkers safe? Clark, the baggage handler, had some straightforward answers. I would first apply rapid testing. Once we get the saliva test in place and everyone's um, following the CDC guidelines, social distancing, uh, you have a timer. Everyone needs to wash their hands at a particular time. If you're feeling sick, you know, you have a way to check out, have them feel comfortable enough to be able to report it and know that they can go out the reasonable amount of time and, and, and come back to work and have a job and not be sick. McClatchy, the Escalator Garden Houston, had a simple answer for improving safety. Well, better communication from management to the employees would be a major thing because there's a lot of information we're not privy to or they just refuse to just tell us all together. A solution wouldn't just help McClatchy. It would help her family. My mom is here from Mississippi, so she's 80 years old. So there's a lot of times I can't go see my mom unless it's my day off. Because I can't just go from work and go to to my mom because I don't want whatever I have on my clothes to, you know, transfer to her. So I make sure I do that on my days off. She's, uh, of course, in panic mode and and praying and all that other stuff that she does. But um, she says, I know you got to do what you got to do, but you just got to be careful. I said, I know. And, you know, I try to make sure I don't come around her. She said, that's all right. You just I understand. I understand you can't be around me, you know, on certain days. So she's she's understanding. But as a parent, you know, she's not understanding. Clark's family was impacted, too including by the loss of work last year. I was a lead before COVID. Life was great. I was able to do things. I was able to focus and more 
on 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 going to work and have a sound job and being able to make sure my kids had the process through school because this year I do have one that's actually going to college. So last year before COVID, that was our focus. When COVID struck, everything changed. I was I had to take the furlough. Uh, we exhausted our savings pretty much to the brink. Now that he's back at work, Clark lost his lead title and many of his hours. His pay is down, and he carries the stress of a workplace where he doesn't feel safe. We've all had to weigh risks this past year. Travel is one of them. But as we make those choices, big and small, it's important to know the risks not just for ourselves, but for the people around us. Throughout the pandemic, airport employees went to work and faced risks that travelers may not have taken into account. Clark is well aware of the idea that he and his colleagues have kept the country running. But the essential language and the level of protection don't necessarily match up. And I would ask the military how important do they feel us to be. I think they would think we were very important if they knew what was going on behind the scenes. I would ask different people that had important dates and weddings and venues to go to how important do they think we are because your stuff arrives there intact, you're on time, and you're good to go. But it takes a lot of, 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 of humility being a frontline worker or, or being the guys on the front line that, that's not forced, but you're sort of in a bind. Like I said, either you're working or you're not eating. So you got to take a pick. And prior to COVID, this wasn't even an option. This wasn't even a question. I'm Callan tansel Suddeth. My co-hosts are Kelly Livingston and Allison Mollenkamp. In the Air is a production from the Howard Center for Investigative Journalism. Howard Center teams have been reporting on COVID in the workplace across a variety of industries, including retail and seafood packing. You can read their work at cnsmaryland.org. Our data reporter is Luciana Perez Uribe. Our social media editor is Victoria Daniels. Our editor is Robert Little. Our music is by Will Mollenkamp. Kathy Best is the director of the Howard Center for Investigative Journalism. Sean Mussenden is the Howard Center's data editor. The data team includes Kara Newhouse, Nick McMillan, Sahana J. Raman, and Audit Tambe. And thank you to Aniron Canem Klein and Gabriel Petrazio for additional reporting. Thanks for listening to In the Air.